Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going? I'm bringing on that smooth jazz voice because you know why? I have to introduce a jazz expert on my podcast, Lydia Liebman. She is the founder and president of Lydia Liebman Promotions and was featured in Forbes 30 Under 30 in music in 2020 during the pandemic. This is, this is just, whoa. <laughs> she is a publicist by trade and has a huge roster of R&B, soul, and jazz clients. She's always optimistic and never stops working and is an associate professor at Rock Nation School at Long Island University. Let's now welcome Lydia Lehman to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Hi, Lydia. Welcome to the podcast. Should I also call you Professor Lydia? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for inviting me, Forbes. No, you certainly don't need to call me Professor, but thank you. (laughs) Very kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us how you got started in this music business. Did you go to a concert and say, I want to work in this field or what got you moving into this industry? Yeah, so uh, it was a real organic thing. My parents are both professional musicians. So it's one of those things that um, when you grow up in this type of environment, you sometimes find yourself gravitating towards certain aspects of it. And when I was growing up, I was always attending, to a point, you're, you're correct, I was always attending jazz concerts and I grew up going to you know, all these different concerts and events and tours and everything. So it was really something that was really familiar to me. And when I uh, started going to college in Boston, I went to Emerson College. I had a radio show there, something I just always wanted to do. And it was a jazz radio show and it went really well. It was a lot of fun. And it was one of those things that I got really invested in. And I um, originally got my start in radio and I was doing um, jazz radio for my whole time through college. I interned at Sirius Radio. I did all of these things. And um, over time, I realized that radio is actually a kind of a similar thing to publicity and PR. And over time, it sort of became that I was doing radio and I was also promoting concerts and I was learned how to promote, you know, my friends that have to be musicians. And one thing just kind of led to another. And, and then it turned out to be a, a career, but it, it didn't, I didn't go into it with that in mind. It's just something that sort of happened over time. Wow. And so you weren't a musician by trade. You just wanted to study more the business side of it because you got inspiration from your parents and going to those concerts. Kind of. I mean, I, I did um, take voice lessons as a kid and I, I used to sing quite a bit and I play piano and I definitely had a musical background and I, I loved doing things on a, you know, as a performer and an artist. Mm-hmm. But I also had this feeling that the world really didn't need another jazz singer. I um, maybe I was in a <laughs> maybe I was in a, a strange 
a position because my parents, in addition to both being professional musicians, are also professional educators. So I would see a lot of people come through the door and I was like, they don't need another singer in this world. So I found my talents and skill set could be better applied in a uh, behind the scenes type of vibe. So that's kind of how things ended up there. But I do love uh, performing and I, you know, I, I did have quite a a life in that regard when I was a little bit younger, but I'm super uh, much happier being on the other side of it. <laughs> and what was it like being able to be in like the whole jazz community on a college level? Because that's how it fueled your passion for being in jazz and even before that, and then transitioning to your own firm as well. Yeah, um, the thing about the jazz community, whether it be at school or just in general, is that it really is a close-knit uh, community and people really, know each other and it's one of those things where you really do feel like you're part of kind of a very large family in a way and i'm sure people that work in all different fields can relate to this but in jazz particularly just because of the intimacy that comes with being performers and you know it being such a close-knit community it really does feel like you're part of something and i think that in some ways it's really easy to feel um it can be really difficult in that type of mentality because it's so small so you sort of feel like you know, if, if something um, gets messed up with one person, you worry, oh gosh, like, will this forever sully my reputation? <laughs> um, but on the other hand, because it is so small, because you do know everybody, there's a lot of support and people are generally pretty welcoming and, and everything mm -hmm. like that. So for me, when I was in college, it was just sort of an extension of what I had already grown up in um, throughout my life. And I wow. kind of found my, yeah, kind of like found my people and, I, uh, I found friends that kind of let me be, uh, they were kind of my guinea pigs unintentionally. They sort of <laughs> let me promote their own projects and let me kind of do these things and vice versa. And we all sort of grew together. And a lot of those people that I went to college with at that time are now, you know, professional musicians that are all over the place. So it all kind of was a mutually beneficial situation in the end. That's cool that you're surrounded like on a whole 360 by your friends, family, and even people that you work with that are in the jazz community. And it's such a niche, vibrant sector. And mm -hmm. you also held internship opportunities at major radio companies. What was that experience like? You also mentioned you had a couple mentors. Yeah, so uh, so at the radio stations, I um, I worked with uh, Mark Raffin, who is the XM, and he's still there now. And with him, it was just my first time really learning um, that side of the business from a professional standpoint. And he really allowed me to have a lot of opportunities that I don't know how I would have gotten those um, in any other setting. So I've always been really thankful to Mark because he gave me a lot of exposure and he just really, it was really great. Um, and then my my other mentor, Dr. Paula Rosen. So when I was in college, uh, I interned at this publication and it was called Education Update. And it was a trade publication for educators, teachers, and things like that. And she was the publisher. And I worked under her for quite some time. I continued with that job in various capacities, even when I eventually moved to New York and was really like involved in Lydia Lehman Promotions, I still always kept my foot in that door because I just think that the more experiences you can have in all different aspects of life is beneficial when you're running your own business. So uh, Paula uh, really has been helpful to me because she you know, ran her own paper. She was just kind of kicking ass and taking names in her in her field. And I really, I really love that. So um, I've been really blessed to have mentors that are just, that are just cool. And um, I've learned a lot from them. That's so fabulous that you've had mentors in the jazz community that have supported you 
with your endeavors. And tell us a little bit more about your entrepreneurial mindset. Did they influence you to pursue this route, or what got those creative muscles kind of flowing? <laughs> yeah, so I think、uh, that running、uh, running one's own business is something that kind of it's interesting because for me it's something that was really natural in a way.、Uh, with both of my parents being professional musicians and self-employed, that was kind of what I knew. And my parents both had like their own offices, and you know, in my house growing up, and my. Bedroom was like sandwiched in between the two, so I was always, you know, hearing everything, and it was something that was just sort of natural. So I kind of always grew up with that in my head. Like to me, doing a nine to five job actually was unusual, and I, I actually was like very nervous about that when I was in college and didn't really know what I was doing.、Um, that was kind of foreign to me, which I think is interesting considering,、um, you know, that most of the world is actually really comfortable with that. So that definitely helps influence it, but. Um, I also just sort of have always had a thing of just doing things in a kind of slightly different way, I guess. Like sometimes the way I think about things is maybe not the the, the, the most direct way. I have this like roundabout way of thinking,、uh, and and sometimes I'll arrive at a conclusion in a way where I'm like, God, how did I get there? You know. But that type of、um, that type of thinking sometimes can be beneficial when you're running your own business and you know you're learning how to be an entrepreneur because you just always have to adapt to things and、mm-hmm. and. React quickly and see things from maybe a different perspective in order to succeed. So,、wow. I don't know. It's one of those things that you either kind of are kind of innately in that, or you're not in a way. And、um, that doesn't mean it's easy. It just means that you're just thinking about things in a way that can be beneficial when you're running a business. Yeah,、so. I couldn't agree、yeah. more. You think very differently and think unique when constructing a business. And、yeah. tell us, like, how were you able to acquire so many different clients and Did working in jazz, from a college standpoint, at Sirius, have any influence on promoting and representing jazz clients? And what was that process like?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So、um, certainly, I mean, in in school, through my radio show, through working at with with Mark Ruffin, through all of these different opportunities, it just puts you in front of people. And when you're continuously and constantly dealing with people in this trade. Uh, eventually, you know, word gets around, and and it's again a small community, so people really pay attention to what's going on. And there's also not that many relatively young people in this field.、Uh, it's a kind of skews older, and I can say that as far as jazz PR people, my colleagues are all pretty much significantly older than me.、Um, and I think that, that was something that kind of made me stick out just a little.、Uh, it's unusual, you know. At the time, I was like 21 years old, and you know, this was like a really Strange thing that somebody at that age doing this. So、uh, I think that, that you know you kind of、um, built a, a reputation, and over time, word of mouth really spread. And and you know you get one client, you do a good job. And for example, like if you have an album, and you know you have a, a band of five people, and you have the leader who hires you, all of those musicians on that album, most of them have their own side projects. So you know one hires you, and then the bass player is like, wait, she did a great job with the record. I'm going to hire her for my record. And the drummer is <laughs> like, wait. You know, before you know it, you're you're repping the whole band in individual ways, and that's kind of、wow. how a lot of it happened in the beginning. Is through that word of mouth and just through community, general community stuff. So、um, that's certainly how it happened. And then you know, eventually you get to a point where you're able to make decisions on like who you want to work with and who you don't want、mm-hmm. to, and all of that. But it definitely took you know took some time to get there. But、yeah. um, so much of it was really just those experiences, those early experiences. They really make all the difference. 
Yeah, that's really fascinating. And do you also, in order to acquire a new client, you mentioned that it also is via word of mouth, via like the band members in that specific band. Do you also work with A&R reps too, that got out talent? Yeah, 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 sometimes. Uh, the thing about publicity is that our, the the, the role that we play is, um, is something that touches on a lot of different parts of the music mm -hmm. industry. So we're not just working with independent artists, but we're also working with labels. We're also working with presenters. We're working with, you know, managers and booking agents. And you really end up interfacing with all different facets of kind of an artist's team. And that's always really cool. And um, when we're working with labels, yeah, you know, you're working with A&R, you're working with, you know, the producers. It's, it's a totally different, uh, different thing kind of for project. So it's very interesting. Um, something that's been really helpful for me is that I've just been able to get a really like well-rounded uh, perspective, I would say, of the music business just because of being in this business now for professionally for over 10 years, you just start to learn things along the way. And um, yeah. a lot of that comes from the people you interact with and they're all different and covering the whole spectrum. And then what is it like running your own operation on a day-to-day -day basis? You said there have been some great achievements and some cons that go with that. Yeah, so the cool thing about running your own your own thing is that the day-to-day, -day, most of the time, is pretty different. So every day is, is kind of a different, uh, we're facing different obstacles. So um, in publicity, there's all these different things that we do, and it could be anything from content creation, so creating press announcements and writing press releases and creating one sheets and kind of more of like a creative artistic side to actually communicating with the press and setting up interviews and uh, communicating on behalf of your client to, you know, going to an actual um, interview or a photo shoot to oversee that for a client. So it really is different. And uh, for me, I mean, a typical day, once I get started throughout the day, you know, I've, I've kind of had to learn my, one thing about when you're running your own business and an entrepreneurship kind of mindset is you kind of have to listen to yourself and be like, when do I feel the most on as a <laughs> And, you know, it can be really hard because I think a lot of the time we're, we're told, oh, you've got to like, you know, nine to five or like get up in the morning and go to work and, you know, and then clock off so you can be sane or whatever, you know, at a certain time. <laughs> and the truth is, is sometimes, you know, sometimes you do need to work late because no one's bothering you at that time. Or sometimes it takes a couple extra hours to get ready in the morning and like, that's okay. So once you sort of adapt to that, um, for me, once I'm kind of like in my groove, you know, I basically sit down here at my desk and I go through my email and my email kind of sets the agenda for the day because there's usually at least no lie, like 20 or 30 action items that come in, you know, between the time I checked it the day wow. before that morning. And so you've just got to like go down the list. Um, and the good thing is, you know, if you have help, if you have people that work for you and you have assistance and different people that do different things, you can delegate, but even delegating takes time. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. Uh, Every day is different and I'm thankful for that, but some days I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> I feel drowned. I'm like drowning, you know, I'm like, this is out of control, but you know, that's part, that comes with the territory. Yeah, it's definitely not linear. It's definitely like a fun <laughs> adventure and roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I would certainly put it that way. It's for sure not linear. And I would say if it is linear, then maybe, you know, like to me, that doesn't sound so good. You know, that sounds kind of yeah. boring. I, I like variety and I, I do like the challenges that come at doing this. So yeah, it's, um, it's a ride. It's a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. And in order to get over those challenges, one of your hugest accolades that I would consider is you being in the Forbes 30 under 30 list. So when you received that call or notification, what was that like? And how did your artist or people that you've worked with in the past feel about this and 
I'm sure they felt really proud that you got this honor. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I was um, not expecting it, obviously. I mean, I was really surprised. And, you know, it's one of those things that, I don't know, I, I'm not sure. Um, I was, you know, once I got the call, I kind of went back and was like looking to see like who else has been on this list because I was trying to like figure out like how this happens. And when I was checking it out, you know, I realized like there, I really didn't see many people in jazz represented on this list at all. I mean, there were a few um, kind of more from the performance side. So to be representative of that was really uh, meaningful to me because it's not something that happens every day in our field. So I was extremely elated, obviously. I mean, I was shocked and I was really proud. Um, in some ways, you know, it's like when you're doing your own thing for so long, you sometimes you're in your head all the time. So if someone tells you that you're doing great or someone acknowledges that, um, it's to some people it might be dumb and like, you know, stupid, these awards or whatever, and you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt. But for, for someone like me, where I'm always kind of like in my head doing my own thing, it is nice to get that recognition to know, oh, okay, so, you know, I'm not like totally messing this up. Like, <laughs> I sort of know what I'm doing. Like, thank goodness, you know, it, sometimes you really need that, that hit of confidence, because uh, imposter syndrome is real. And <laughs> how much you accomplish, you know, sometimes it never goes away. So you kind of always have to remind yourself that you're on the right track. So that was a really cool moment. It really kind of reinforced that I was doing at least somewhat the right thing. And um, in, in the field, I would say, yeah, like generally, um, people were really, I think a lot of people were really surprised, like I was, but people were really supportive. And I think most people felt the way I felt, but it was really nice to see jazz represented like that. And I, uh, my clients, of course, were ecstatic because now they thought, you know, realized they can maybe get some coverage in Forbes, which was yeah. the truth, they did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that was what I was thinking about it. I was like, well, this is great for me, but if it opens the door for, you know, I work in media, if it opens the door for me to have more of an avenue to go to a publication like Forbes and yeah. you know, jazz clients, that's, I'll take it. So that's been really cool. But um, yeah, it was awesome. I'm, I'm super honored still. And even though now I'm 30, I guess I, I can't really like use it anymore because I'm over the age of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just though it's just a huge accomplishment and attests to all your accomplishments even prior to your entrepreneurialism and your adventure in the space. Sometimes in the music industry, you have to take those smaller steps in order to get to that big stone. And you've definitely accomplished that. And you have to appreciate and accept every little step of the way. That's right. And I, this is something too that I always actually reflect back in my work. And especially when I'm working with artists that are younger and up and coming where, you know, there's always this trajectory that everybody kind of wants to go on. They all want to be on, you know, the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> they all want to be on CNN. Like everybody wants to be celebrities. I mean, not everyone, but most people. And something that I try to always instill in them is that, hey, like, you know, the smaller publications or the, the kind of niche blogs that cover you or the radio stations, the community radio stations that play you. I mean, they might seem small at the time, but actually all of these things sort of build on each other. And that kind of like lays the foundation for the bigger stuff to sort of come in. And that's how I've always thought about it with my clients. And it's also how I've felt about it too in my own career. I just think that it's important to appreciate everything because you really never know what's going to come from those opportunities. Yeah. And then one of your newest adventures is also in teaching, being a professor. So do you yeah. find that it's also very rewarding to teach others and see future contemporary leaders in your class that are very passionate about this field? And tell us more about the courses you're teaching. 
Yeah, thank you. I'm extremely excited. I just joined the faculty at the Rock Nation School of Music, uh, Sports and Entertainment at Long Island University, LIU. It's great. It's it's a new a new program that's you know obviously been created in partnership with Rock Nation, so it's quite cool. And uh, I'm teaching a music business course, and I am you know covering the basics of the music business stuff, everything from copyright and um, you know different rights that musicians should you know have, and to booking and management, to um, you know what a producer does and how a record label functions, and all these things, and of course publicity, but. The cool thing is that I feel like a lot of my uh, personal experience can be really informative in these settings. So anytime that I can uh, share experiences that I've had and, and offer that to students that might not have any other way of knowing those things, it is really a great feeling, you know, um, because not everything in this business is great. And I've had plenty of experiences that have been awful at the time where I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a terrible situation I'm in for whatever reason. And <laughs> it's terrible, but it's always an experience. And once you learn how to navigate those experiences successfully or not necessarily successfully, that's just all uh, experience for you to then, you know, grow off of and learn from. So anytime I can share that with students, I love doing that. And uh, teaching is always something I've loved to do. I've guest lectured a lot. I've done a lot of seminars and master classes, but this is my first time I'm in a consistent classroom with the same students and I'm really loving it so far. And it's a challenge and it's not necessarily easy, but it's really rewarding. And the other thing I love about it is that it does force me for a couple hours on a, you know, on a Tuesday to really just tune out the other stuff and to focus on something else. And it's a nice way to sort of, you know, deactivate that part of my brain just a little bit. And when you're constantly working all the time, it's really nice to have, you know, you have to have a reason to tune out. So I've actually really appreciated that. And I've felt even more surprisingly more balanced since I took this job, even though I added a significant workload to my agenda. <laughs> Somehow mentally, it it really actually has made me feel a little bit more, more balanced than, you know, work, work, work all the time. So that's been kind of enlightening in a way, but I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's kind of like a cool way to decompress and mentor others. Congratulations on that new endeavor. Have you felt that being a PR manager and an educator and also, you're the secretary of the Havanese Club. So, so random. They're kind of, they're yeah, no, they're kind of all interconnected. I feel in some sense that you have this way of helping others, whether it is animals or people and artists. So, yeah, have you ever I, felt that they're connected in that sense? You know, I I think that having a balance for anything in life is really important and. You know, one of the best things in my life is my dog. Who doesn't love their dog? Like, <laughs> I love my dog. He's he's the best. So, I um, it's really funny because you mentioned the Havanese Club, which is a breed club here in New York. It's a big deal, and wow. it's so different from anything it has you know anything that has to do with my day to day work life, which is basically my whole life. So again, it's like any opportunity that you know gets you into a different setting. I it's just like prior to the pandemic, you know, I was like at you know finding myself at like dog shows, and I'm like, well, who am I? Like, this <laughs> but it's like so fun in a way because you're like, wow, this is so removed from what I normally do that to be in this you know these experiences uh -huh. and these types of situations is just. It, it kind of just reignites other parts of your brain. And um, so I, I actually find it hilarious. And you know, it's when I tell people that I do this sometimes, they're just like, what? Like that does not track with everything else. But in a way it is connected because you know, it's all dealing with people. And in the end, it's like, 
a PR is dealing with people. It's the business of dealing with other people in the end. So mm -hmm. any situation in which you're being made to deal with people, whether they're writers and journalists, musicians or artists, or very passionate dog owners, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it forces you to really learn how to adjust and how to how to deal with different types of, of, of human beings. And um, that is something that anytime I'm doing anything, that's what I see it as. It's just another way to sort of strengthen the social skills that you need to be a good publicist and just to be a good connector and communicator. So yeah, in a way it's all connected, even though they are very different things. Um, <laughs> it's also like probably the, the cutest part of any of my day is definitely when I'm dealing with, with that. <laughs> Dogs are just like a great way for uh, mental health, just also they're just really fun. I mean, I have three dogs of my own and I'm a big animal advocate and I see that in you, that how you help animals yeah. save lives and also help human lives. So <laughs> yeah, animals are the best. I, I really, <laughs> I, I will say that uh, I, one of the best decisions I ever made actually was, was getting a dog um, because again, it's one of those things that it, it forces you to you know, it forces you to care about something else and, and you really, you know, it's something that you love. So it's, it's something that I think is really healthy and um, <laughs> I'm all about it. So I think everyone should get dogs. Yes, go get dogs. <laughs> go get, if you don't take anything else away from this chat. It's, yeah. <laughs> to wrap things up, what types of tips or advice would you recommend to college students that either have an entrepreneurial mindset and want to start their own firm what types of steps would you recommend or do you recommend them getting their feet wet in different sectors within the industry first and then launching their own business? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, you really have to figure out not exactly what you want to do, because I think that people's minds and their interests and goals naturally change and, and mature over time. But um, I do think that it's important to just sort of figure out like, what industry do you want to be in? Like, if you want to be in the music industry and you're not really sure how, then yes, like it's it's a situation to put yourself, I think at least, in as many different situations as you can to learn what you like. Uh, for example, when I was in college, I interned, you know, with, with Sirius and I loved it. And then the following summer, I interned at a booking agency and I really did not like it. It just was not for me. I wasn't into the day-to-day -day operation. I, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. And surprisingly, because it's not like it's that different from PR, it's not that different from other aspects, but it just didn't sit right with me. And I'm so thankful that I did have those experiences because I then knew, okay, so I like this, I don't like that. So I think it's really important to you know, try everything and uh, to not be afraid to make mistakes. You know, That's part of the deal. I think back on some of my very early campaigns that I am shocked anyone hired me and I see like what I was producing and fakes I'm in, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And you know, I look back on it and I'm super embarrassed, but actually at the time I didn't realize how they were. So I think that going in with that mindset, um, you know, is, is important. And then I would also say, you know, something I always recommend is when you are kind of getting your, your feet wet, with you are starting your own business and you are kind of like developing your own identity as a, you know, as a company or whatever, I at least early on really tried to say yes to as much as possible because mm -hmm. you really don't know like where things are gonna go. And when you're, you know, if it's not an issue of being overcommitted and if you can handle it, um, I was saying yes to things that, even things that I wasn't really well versed on and I would tell the client that, I'd be like, okay, like I'm willing to do this, but just be aware that this is my first time dealing with this particular thing or whatever. 
but it's really valuable because you just don't know where those connections will end up later. And I'll say that so many of the connections I made when I was younger that I wasn't necessarily the most prepared to say yes to, but I did. Um, a lot of those came back around and those opportunities come back so much bigger and greater if you do well and succeed. Um, there have been things that I can call on from, you know, 10 years ago that I never would have thought would have had any impact on me today, but they have. So I think it's just always good to have an open mind and say yes to things. However, the caveat is when you do start getting busy and you do start really developing um, an identity and people keep calling you and, you know, as your phone continues to ring, once you start to realize that the demand is starting to really oversaturate your abilities just because of time, then it's really important to be diligent and, and deliberate in what you say yes to. And in that case, then it, it makes sense to say no and to, you know, to pass on things if you aren't comfortable with them. But getting to that point, it's a kind of a fine line. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. a fine That's such great wisdom. And any new upcoming exciting projects for your artists? I know they rescheduled the Grammys, um, but your clients have received 22 nominations. Like, how does it feel to represent that talent? And do they have any upcoming exciting things? Yeah, so um, yeah, we, we've had over the course of, of my business, we've had 22 nominations. I think we've had one, two, three, I don't know how many wins, two or three wins, maybe four, I don't know. Wow. Um, I, it's, a, it's a mess that I can't keep track, but I, um, I'll say that, yeah, we have 10 nominations up for this cycle. So. Um, we had a lot this year, as you can see, and that's very exciting. Um, we'll see how, how it goes. It's, you know, the Grammys are what they are, and I think it's always important to keep perspective and understand that it's not the be-all, end-all of anyone's career, but it is really exciting. So we do have that. There are some really exciting clients I'm working with that have new music coming out. One of them is a singer named Katherine Russell. She's one of the most, you know, incredible vocalists of our generation. She's been nominated for two Grammys herself, and she has a new album coming out in April. It's called send for me it's gonna be really good um speaking of dogs i'm working with uh this amazing shopper named michael lenhart who um plays with steely dan as just Catherine russell actually and he's releasing an album in march uh that's called the norman suites and it's actually it's again total coincidental but it's actually Whoa. about his uh his dog it's about his the life and the you know legacy of, of his docs like what it's insane and so i i love the music um elvis costello is featured on a couple tracks and jay swiss is too so it's a very dynamic project it's not just a straight ahead jazz release it's really interesting so you know we have things like that that really are things really interesting and, and diverse so you know we'll see how the grammys go we'll see how these records do and um you know hopefully everything goes well We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Lydia, for all your support with this. And congratulations on being a professor. Best of luck with the Grammys. I'm super excited to hear more about the 10 nominations that your clients have received. And people can check you out on your website at LydiaLiebman.com. Yeah, LydiaLiebman.com and also on Instagram and Twitter. I'm, I'm there and um, on, uh, on Instagram at Lydia Liebman Promotions is our company page. And I try to post there fairly frequently. So, you know, you can always kind of like what's going on with um, with our clients over there and all that stuff. But I really appreciate you having me, Forks. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Lydia. Best of luck with everything. Sign up for her class at Long Island University in the future. I know she's doing great things there as a professor, an educator, an animal advocate, and a PR manager. Thank 
you. Thank you so much for having me, Forbes. I hope that you have a wonderful uh, rest of your run with this great show. I think it's formative <laughs> and really helpful for people to hear. So thanks for the platform. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will here. Email at mediaindustryguru.podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.